The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James, described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Rainmaker FM. <laughs> Welcome back to The Writer Files. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, here to take you on yet another tour of the habits, habitats, and brands of renowned writers. Literary scholar, publishing consultant, and co-author of the critically acclaimed book, The Bestseller Code, Jody Archer dropped by this week to chat with me about her journey, becoming revolution in publishing, and the insecurities that all writers face. Before earning her PhD from Stanford, Ms. Archer studied English at Cambridge, worked in both journalism and TV, and became an acquisitions editor for Penguin UK Publishing. While at Stanford, Jody taught nonfiction and memoir writing and researched both contemporary fiction and bestsellers. And upon completion of her doctoral work, she was recruited by Apple, where she was the lead in research on books. Her book, The Bestseller Code, is based on her doctoral research with Professor Matthew Jockers, an algorithm that they tested over four years and refined by text mining over 20,000 contemporary novels. The Guardian proclaimed that their book may revolutionize the publishing industry, in part because their algorithm was able to predict bestselling books 80% of the time based on theme, plot, character, and many other big data points. In part one of this file, Jody and I discuss how WordNerd helped program a computer to predict bestsellers with a high degree of accuracy, why all writers of fiction should read the bestseller code, how to turn years of research into an entertaining and educational nonfiction book, and the power of deadlines for beating procrastination. If you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. This episode of The Writer Files is brought to you by Audible. I'll have more on their special offer later in the show, but if you love audiobooks or you've always wanted to give them a try, 
You can check out over 180,000 titles right now at audibletrial.com slash Rainmaker. And we are rolling today with a very special guest. Jody Archer has joined the Writer Files. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, your schedule to uh, chat with me about uh, this fantastic new book, The Bestseller Code, and uh, a little bit about your process as a writer. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I am, I mean, just utterly fascinated about the book. I did kind of want to, before we get into chatting about the bestseller code a little bit, to just kind of want to maybe do a little background, you know, for listeners who might not know your story, um, maybe just kind of a little bit of, of your origins as, you know, I mean, I know you've done a lot of stuff. You've, you've had kind of a background in, in uh, journalism as well as uh, publishing and and. You know, I mean, I think you're you're considered a literary scholar, so there's a, kind of a lot to unpack there. But maybe you could just give us kind of the uh, the cliff notes of uh, <laughs> kind of where where you've been. Um, uh, yeah, I'll try. Um, I uh, well, I did my first degree in English in the UK, and um, kind of got into writing and journalism there, um, and also edited some anthologies of of writings and got into the editing side and straight from uh, university there I went to Penguin where I did this kind of um, fast tour around the publishing house in what they called a graduate trainee scheme and so it was actually really beneficial both um, from uh, the publishing perspective and and the writing perspective now because they trained me in marketing and sales and publicity and all those different things and I eventually settled into being an editor um, for Penguin and then after a while I just went with this kind of inner hunch that had kind of kept surfacing in me that I wanted to go and do a, a PhD in the US. And it had always felt like that kind of um, too um, much self-indulgent kind of thing, you know, move across the, the world and just go and study for another six, seven years. But uh, I did uh, do, do it. I got a scholarship at Stanford that seemed to be the sign. Um, and I went and moved to California. And that's where I... Uh, started studying um, for the work that's in the bestseller code about the bestseller and I met Matt Jockers who's my co-author um, and we kind of went from there really. Um, after that I moved to Apple and, and researched books for them and then I went back to writing. So it's been a kind of so far a career that's been um, circling the book and engaging with the book from lots of different angles. Um, so uh, it's nice to settle down and just write for a while. It's fascinating to me, yeah, that you've had all these kind of incarnations, and and uh, writing is is clearly um, a love of yours. You're kind of uh, the ultimate uh, word nerd, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that would be fair, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you have an aha moment when you when you knew you were going to be a writer? You know, um, I, I think about this, and I think it's probably in hindsight something that wanted to come to me as a child, but I kind of ignored it. I, you know, I was a reading, total reading nerd as, as a kid and, um, you know, would like pretty much hide in a cupboard with a book if it meant that I could get out of doing anything other than reading. But I was always scared of my pen and um, didn't think I could ever write a story as good as like a Roald Dahl or a Enid Blyton or anyone I was reading, you know, as a, as a <laughs> child. And uh, I remember actually when I was 13, I... Um, lied to my mom and said I was going out with a friend and I actually went to see a psychic and she really wouldn't have liked it until I was maybe 16 you know getting involved in seeing a psychic but there was this <laughs> local psychic 
And I crept in and I said, you know, will you give me a reading? She was like, sure. And the most powerful memory I had, you know, she told me two things. And one was that I would not marry this guy I was madly in love with at age 13, but I'd say <laughs> his friend. And, and he's still my friend and I, and I didn't marry him. And the other thing that she said was that, you know, I'm, I'm meant to be a writer. And at the time I wanted to be a lawyer because I, uh, I like to argue at that time. And uh, I thought being a writer was just a silly pipe dream, but she insisted that that was my calling and it kind of stuck with me and I fought with it for 20 years and then finally. (laughs) (laughs) It it panned out. Um... Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. So let's talk a, a little bit about this fantastic uh, new book of yours, um, co-authored by Matthew Jockers, The Bestseller Code. And, and it's, uh, you know, I mean, the cover says, what a groundbreaking algorithm can teach us about books, stories, and reading. It's entirely fascinating to me, this, um, this work and, and the subject, obviously, is pretty interesting. But it, it wasn't what I was expecting uh, as I was reading it. I was just kind of blown away by a lot of the insights in there. It's an analysis of kind of what makes uh, readers tick, what makes writers tick. But it's not, you know, it's not this dry kind of, you know, I was expecting the idea of big data and, you know, kind of looking at at, at the the, uh, book business and the publishing world being a little bit drier subject. But it's it's a really fantastic read. It's a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, a lot of people have told me, um, you know, who are reading it, it's just been out um, this week here in the U.S. Um, oh, it wasn't what I was expecting. And, and they haven't really clarified what the expectation was. But um, uh, I'm glad with your way of, of putting it, I'm glad you've enjoyed writing it, uh, reading it. It was suddenly, you know, certainly, sorry, very, very fun for us to write. And um, I think it I found that even though, yes, we'd done a lot of research with the algorithm and before we put pen to paper, we had completed that research and would have been able to talk about it then. Um, as we were writing, our history as um, readers and writers, you know, came much more into the fore. And there's, you know, we spent lots of times around books where I haven't been working with algorithms and I haven't been working alongside a, you know, a pro text miner. And so my experience of books has been very traditional, um, like any editor or any, you know, lover of books or journalist or someone like yourself who, who obviously enjoys books. So it was nice to bring that part of me to the page as well. And I, I hope that's what's made a little bit chatty. I hope the book's kind of chatty rather than dry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's entertaining. It's definitely educational. I love that uh, literary scholar Jonathan Gottschall, who actually, I, I love his book, The Storytelling Animal, um, yes. blurbed your book and said that he was just um, absolutely blown away by it. 
that's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. And, you know, with your love of kind of everything literary and, and also um, now adding in the big data piece. So, so basically what you, what you all created was this algorithm, right? The, the best seller ometer. Well, that's, that's its current nickname. Yeah. Um, actually, I mean, my co-author Matt Jockers is the, is the text mining expert. And so, um, what that means is that he brought that training um, a background in how we can make computers read um, in, in a kind of a way that approximates different aspects of, of how humans read or what we notice when we're reading. And together we sat and talked about, you know, how do we as, as human readers um, process style, um, what, how do we process plot, what, how do we process emotion in literature and how do we look at words and the words that trigger that. And then we kind of model that with code. And it was fascinating to me because that whole side of uh, literary analysis was very, very new to me. And I was kind of suspicious at first, you know, I'll, I'll admit, you know, when I uh, came to it, like many people, I thought, well, what are computers doing um, uh, in the space of novels and, and kind of subjective literary criticism or even, you know, the other um, methods of literary critical training that I'd been involved in in my, you know, PhD work, and but I was interested, and I think Matt is is the real deal, and so I uh, listened, and we tried it out, and we were just kind of flabbergasted by the results, um, and we brought our different backgrounds together, and that's what created this really fun kind of quest um, that we've been on that created this book. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think all writers of of uh narrative i mean of fiction of any of a, of a longer length um should read this and really i mean not necessarily to you know for the reasons that you that you talk about in the book you know obviously you have to have a love of uh writing and, and a love of um what you're doing but just I, there's just so much in there there's so there's so many great little tidbits great quotes great factoids but i mean it, it is just really compelling and and kudos on on that on the work it's it's a lot of fun I, i'm loving it thank you we will be right back after a very short break thanks so much for listening to the writer files this episode of the writer files is brought to you by audible offering over 180,000 audiobook titles to choose from audible seamlessly delivers the worlds of both fiction and nonfiction to your iphone android kindle or computer for Rainmaker FM listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check them out. Grab your free audiobook right now by visiting audibletrial.com Rainmaker. I just hopped over there to grab Stephen King's epic novel, 112263, about an English teacher who goes back in time to prevent the assassination of JFK. You can download your pick or any other audiobook free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash rainmaker. Brings me to the question of what could you possibly be working on now? Are you, how, how do you follow this up? Are, are you working on more nonfiction or are you turning now to fiction? Um, you know, uh, kind of a bit of both. Um, I, I think I would like to write another book um, of essays about books and, and the book world um, that are maybe a bit personal um, and but combining advice for writers because I've I've been in the writing world for so long and, and in very, very different roles that 
I've kind of taken for granted some wisdoms that writers ask me and like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Will you write about it? And so I may do another book about the book world, but I'm also working on a couple of fiction projects. And I think I'll settle into one of those probably the end of this year and into the new year. Cool, cool. Well, it seems like you could do just about anything, uh, especially now with all of your your um, your wisdom that you couldn't help but be successful. So <laughs> I hope. Uh, it's a lot of pressure. People say, I know. if you write a novel now, you're going to have to, uh, you know, come up with a good pen name because the pressure is going to be, is going to be on. But uh, when I'm working on fiction, I, I try to kind of, you know, I would say I try to ignore um, some of the insights we have. And I only mean that in the sense I, I don't kind of try and write by it every rule or idea that comes to me from the book we've just written, but yeah. it is in my, the back of my mind. And, um, I do go back and check myself and, and find I plot better now having written that book and think better about how to use theme. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've had uh, a handful of those, um, writers mentioned, um, I, I'm thinking of Andy Weir was on this show, um, mm -hmm. author of the Martian. He was great to talk to um, Stephanie Dandler, uh, most recently, author of Sweet Bitter, uh, came on to talk about some of her processes. So uh, you're in good company. Um, and yeah. I appreciate you chatting with me about uh, the book. And, and so I, I definitely will encourage listeners to seek out the bestseller code. And uh, man, it's awesome. So moving on to your process, let's talk um, a little bit about your productivity. Uh, you know, just with, with the different types of uh, reading and writing you're done, you know, if, if you, if you want to go back to kind of the process about, of, of writing this book in particular, how much, how much mm -hmm. research were you doing? And I mean, th this is years of research, right? Yeah. For this book, I mean, it's, um, you know, the, just building the algorithm and then validating it and checking it and rebuilding, you know, it took a lot of time. So, um, you know, I spent the last, um, three or four years at Stanford that I was doing my PhD, you know, mostly involved in this project um, with Matt and wrote a um, PhD thesis on the first findings of this study, um, which is kind of much more academic because you're writing there for a PhD committee, obviously. But my intention was always to write a trade book because I was just really intrigued by the results that we saw, um, you know, as a non-tech person that were being shown to me, given this added tool of the computer and, and the patterns that uh, it was showing me about readers and writing. So I knew I wanted to turn it into a book for the trade that other um, readers and writers might enjoy and, and learn from. Um, and that happened, you know, sometime after I'd, I'd graduated and, and we totally redid the experiment and started writing a, a trade book and the research had pretty much been done by the time we started otherwise yeah so it's, it's a long project but the writing we did fairly quickly actually um in about uh four months wow that's amazing so during that process um were, were you then sitting down every day to write and putting in chunks or were you doing word counts we had this issue of being co being co-authors, and that's a really different experience than writing on your own. And yeah. I was writing from uh, Colorado, and Matt's in Nebraska, and so we had pretty much daily Skype conversations, and we wrote in Google Docs um, together. And 
because we were under a tight deadline, uh, our publisher moved our, our um, submission date forward by about four or five months, just suddenly to hit this fall for publication. And so wow. there's nothing, nothing like that to get the word counts um, yeah. uh, get there. So I think, you know, every day um, we would just write, but we basically had to draft each chapter in about a week and then took 10 to 12 days to in, in total per chapter. So we were, we were writing pretty quickly. Um, but it, uh, I think it suits me to be under that kind of pressure. It avoids yeah. procrastination. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that helped. Um, so did you find that you had a most productive time of day for your writing or a place, uh, like an office or a coffee shop? Yeah, I, um, I, I like to think I can write in coffee shops, and I know now that if I take myself to a coffee shop to write, I don't really intend to write that day. I just intend to kind of get a few clever words down I'm pleased with and then, you know, four words and give myself a pat on the back and then drink too much coffee and go home. So if, if I really want yeah. to produce, I, I have to be at home and I have a, you know, a study at home and I have to start in the morning as much as I would like to avoid it. And if I get on a good, um, speed in the morning, then I'll probably write all day through to about dinner time. And that's, that's mm. the way it works best for me. Uh, are you someone who can write with headphones on or do you prefer silence while you're writing? Um, I don't like headphones. I don't like the feeling of them. Um, but <laughs> I do sometimes have, um, classical music or, or any music without, um, not too quick a, a beat. Um, because I'm kind of thinking slowly, but mm-hmm. I don't like I don't like words in music when I'm when I'm writing. Um, so I like um, sort of a soft, just uh, music that words or silence. Yeah, yeah. I think I know the answer to this next one because you, you addressed it actually in your Goodreads Q and A there. But uh, do you believe in writer's block? Um, you know, I think not. I, Sometimes I say yes and sometimes no, actually. So I don't know what I said in Goodreads. But I think that uh, I've heard some really successful writers like Nora Roberts uh, in in interview and at conferences say she you know, she really doesn't believe in it. She thinks it's just, you know, an excuse. Um, and, and I find that I don't I don't quite fully believe in it because I think discipline with writing does help overcome it. And she's probably fully overcome it. You know, she's written so many books. Um, but I find I encounter it if... I kind of get three or four ways to open a chapter coming through all at the same time and it kind of jams my mind and I can't pick which way to go. Hmm. And so I I nearly always walk, um, go outside and move my body and that tends to release it. But I, I used to suffer what I thought was writer's block much more than I do now. And I think it was just, you know, fear of the pen, you know, um, insecurity, all those things, yeah. the idea of, people reading what you have to say, you know, I, I had those when I was much younger. And I, I think that's pretty normal, but practice helps. Absolutely. And, you know, you're a good company. I think uh, many a famous writer has used uh, walking and exercise for uh, kind of breaking through, you know, it's part of that incubation phase. Um, yeah, the problem is then you get this idea when you're halfway up a mountain in Colorado and you haven't got a pen, <laughs> right? You seem like running down the mountain, not very elegantly, trying to get back to my <laughs> computer before the sentence leaves. And inevitably, it kind of disappears just as I get through the threshold. But yeah. uh, that's happened to me a lot. That's funny. That's funny. Well, you should always carry a notebook. That's true. I think you taught, taught us that also. 
Uh, that was one of the one of the things somebody mentioned in your book. Um, but then, what about the smartphone? Isn't isn't the um, voice to text thing now something per, all pervasive on the on the it smartphone? Is, I, I I've never got into it. I'm only just getting used to Siri and that, you know that kind <laughs> of thing. So I um, I'm more old fashioned with my notes. I tend to um, everywhere I go, I have um, yeah. I try to have a notebook with me, and then the days yeah. that. It, I forget is where the inspiration comes. But I, I'm a pen and paper girl more than a um, you know a smartphone for kind of taking notes down. I think. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week. <laughs>